Blog Talk Radio. And now on Blog Talk Radio, you're listening to Wine Talk with Stu the Wine Guru. Talks today, Thursday, November 18th, 2010. It's 7 p.m. Eastern, and I'm your host, Stu the Wine Guru, coming to you live from beautiful Coral Springs, Florida, as I always do. Anytime during the show at one six four six three eight one four eight six zero, or email me your questions to Stu the Wine Guru info at StuTheWineGuru dot com. You can also go into my chat room here on the show page and chat with other wine enthusiasts, or tweet me any questions you like to at Stu the Wine Guru on Twitter, and I'll read them live on the show. I want to say thanks to all the listeners out there for getting the word out about my show. Welcome to all of you listening worldwide. I call that the power of the people meets the power of the Internet. Now, if you want to find out more about me, just Google Stu the Wine Guru. You can find the websites, the videos, the articles, and all the shows I'm currently a part of. Speaking of articles and reviews, I am writing wine articles and reviews for Yahoo and The Examiner, so look for those as well. I've also made a Wine 101 video series that can be viewed just about everywhere on the Internet, but you can also go to YouTube, put in Stu the Wine Guru or my website, you check those out. In fact, my latest is on wines of South Africa, and I highlight the Sauvignon Blanc of a fantastic new vintner named Seven Springs from the Hermanist West Cape Town area. Check it out. It's a, it's a great Sauvignon Blanc. Hey, this is Sly Stallone. You're listening to Stu the Wine Guru on BlackDuckRadio.com. When I'm out making action pictures, I'm listening too. Right now, I'm sipping on a nice Tuscan red. No actual celebrities were used in the making of this promo. Only celebrity impersonators. Hey, hi, this is uh, John Ratzenberger. When I'm not doing voiceovers for movies or doing commercials, I'm listening to Stu the Wine Guru. I suggest you do the same. No actual celebrities were used in the making of this promo. Only celebrity impersonators. So tonight, my guest represents some of the finest Italian wines to have ever come out of Italy. The name of the vineyards, 
synonymous with outstanding quality and impeccable reputation. This is a family-owned and run vineyard and winery in the Brunello region of Tuscany. The name of this great vintner, Castello Banfi. My guest is Lars Light, who is the vice president and assistant to the chairman. He will be with us shortly. Of course, the number to call in is one six four six three eight one four eight six zero. Or if you're shy and you prefer the computer, you can email me your questions for both Lars and I to info at stewthewineguru.com or get on Twitter, tweet me your questions to at stewthewineguru, and I'll read them live right here on the show, get you some answers. As always, I've opened up a chat room for the listeners to go into. They can chat with other wine enthusiasts. You can also ask questions of Lars or myself, and I'll check into the chat room live periodically during the show and get some answers for you. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Either. Okay, I know I haven't been in a movie in a while. I got it. It's okay. I've embraced it. But when I'm not being either, I'm listening to Stu, the wine guru. Scott, you'll get your turn, okay? <laughs> no actual celebrities were used in the making of this promo. Just celebrity impersonators. Yeah, hi, this is Tony Danza. You listen to Stu the Wine Guru. He's not bad. I'd listen to him every once in a while. You know, drink a Tuscan Red. Try to take down the edge. Pretty good. I like him. Not bad. But first of all, I want to thank the listeners who have followed me on Twitter. I love social media. I can talk directly to my listeners and my guests alike. I'm enjoying the immediacy of the medium. I like the ability to give updates in real time, and my guests are doing the same to promote the show. So, thanks to Twitter and social media. Some show notes. My next TV appearance will air in January. I'll be a guest on the Emmy Award-winning PBS show, Check Please South Florida. I'll be kicking off its fifth season, so look for that. I've also been asked to be a guest on the hit CNBC World Show, Wine Portfolio, with host Jody Ness. They are taking on the Miami wine and food scene, and I'll be showing them where to go, discussing my wine radio show and the wine industry, of course. Taping starts this Saturday, and the show will also air in January. Check your local listings for that. I'm completely psyched for this shoot. There will be more TV appearances coming up, and I'll let you know via this radio show and Twitter as they happen. So remember to follow me on Twitter at StuTheWineGuru. Also, I'll be narrating a promotional digital video for multiple Napa Valley wineries. I'll let you know when that is complete and available to check out. For all of you wanting to know what events I'll be attending so you can meet up with me like my tweeples do on Twitter, January 27th through the 30th, I'll be at a media sponsor covering the second annual Key West Food and Wine Festival. Come down and eat some good food, drink some great wine, and be sure to come over and say hi to me. February 23rd through the 27th, I'll be covering the 10th annual Food Network South Beach Wine and Food Festival. Can you believe it's already been a decade? I mean, wow. You have to check this event out. It's amazing. All the cool chefs and the who's who in the wine industry are there, and of course, including me. So come down, get some sun when it's uh, February everywhere else, and say hi. March 18th through the 20th, I'll be reporting on the Boca Bacanal event. Lots of good stuff happening in the first few months of the year down here in Florida. That is the schedule so far. Of course, keep listening here, and I'll keep you posted. And again, as I say, follow me on Twitter. You'll know everything going on. 
Since I'm a media sponsor for the Key West Food and Wine Festival, I'll, I've worked out a great deal for my listeners, so you can now purchase tickets and receive a 20% discount. All you have to do is use the code STWG during the checkout process. Keep listening and follow me on Twitter for more information. Remember, if you have questions, I have answers, so call me at 1-646-381-4860 or email me at info at or get into the chat room and voice your opinion. Of course, you can get on Twitter and tweet your questions to at StuTheWineGuru, and I'll ask your questions to Lars. Let me make sure everyone listening knows the Costello Bonfi website and can go there for more information about Lars, the vineyards, and Costello Bonfi wines. To learn more about Lars Light and Costello Bonfi wines, go to www.bonfi.com. That's B-A-N-F-I.com. You can find out about Lars, the winery, vineyards, the history, and, of course, hey, buy some wine while you sip some wine. I always say that. the wait, let's bring on my guest for the night, the great winemaker Lars Light. Lars, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Stu. Greetings from rainy Tuscany. Ah, it's raining. Well, you know, isn't that supposed to be good luck when it comes to wine? Uh, well, in, in November, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. The harvest is in, we're happy. All the work is done, yeah, exactly. and we're just focusing on making the wine. That's it. It's good. It's good luck anyway, because people are going to just drink it, so it doesn't make a difference, raining or not raining. Exactly. Um, That's right. So you know what? Let, let me start off with my questions for you, because I have some questions here. I have a, a, a couple, of tw- one or two tweeted questions that have just come in. I've got some email questions that are coming in fast and furious, and I also, of course, have my questions. So let's start off with mine. So for Great. the small amount, let's talk minute amount of listeners out there who are not familiar with Costello Bonfi. Could you give a small overview, you know, of who they are on the wine landscape? Sure. Uh, Costello Banfi is relatively new in the wine world because the wine world is uh, a very traditional places where people have been making wine for generations. Banfi, the Banfi, um, the Mariani family of Banfi Vintners has been importing wine since 1919. We began producing our own wines in 1978 because they knew what, they had a good grasp of what Americans wanted in Italian wine, and frankly what Italians wanted in Italian wine, but it wasn't coming out of Italy, so they founded their own wine estate in 1978, and uh, they really sort of took this little world by storm, um, introduced some new techniques, respected a lot of traditions, and sort of brought those traditions to a new new level, and um, have been very well recognized in the wine world, uh, awarded as the first winery in the world, uh, to get a triple certification by the ISO, which is the International Standards Organization for the way we treat our uh, the people that work for us, the way we treat our environment, and the respect that we get from our customers, from the people that uh, that buy and enjoy our wines. Sure. Um, you know, and I, I'm going to bounce around here a little bit. So, so tell my listeners about what makes your wine so unique and and definitely uh, by far well crafted. Well, there's a, there's a lot of, you know, 
in in the wine world today, we're all fortunate because there are a lot of good wines out there. Um, mm-hmm. What what makes us unique to a certain extent is that we're still a family-run company, even though we're a, a relatively large winery. Um, we're a family-run company, and the, the Mariani family wants not only to, to sell their wines, but they want to drink and enjoy their wines. So the wines are made in a very healthy way. The wines are made um, as as close to organic as we can be in uh, in relative terms. Um, they're wines that have, uh, you know, they... they the family, as I said before, treats everybody who works for them very well, so we all sort of feel like we are the family producers ourselves. So right. wines that you can count on as being wines that are easy to enjoy, uh, very fruit-forward, very reliable, always consistent in quality and, 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 uh, and availability. So, so how did you get started in wine, Lars? Take us back to the beginning when you were growing up in my home state of New York. <laughs> That's a great question. You know, I had a grandfather who made wine. Uh, my, okay. my grandparents came from a small town outside of Rome. And so I was brought up in the European tradition of wine as food. You know, it was sure. part of our diet. It was part of as growing up as children. It was a, an important part of the meal for us to get minerals and nutrients. You had your meat and your potatoes and your wine. Um, it was all a rounded part of the meal. Um, so... To me, growing up with wine was natural. I had a previous, uh, a first start of a career in journalism, but I knew I wanted to get into something where I could use my Italian culture more. And fortunately, okay. uh, as it always works in Italian families, I had an uh, Italian family member who had a, a connection to Banfi, who, a fellow who was a salesman for Banfi. And sure. um, so I was introduced to the Mariani family and offered the opportunity to, to really start at the the ground level. And so I started with Banfi 25 years ago as a sales representative in Westchester County and mm-hmm. uh, worked my way from, from sales to marketing in our uh, organization. I was a brand manager for our Costello Banfi Wines, and then I went into international sales. And I had a sales territory sort of introducing the Costello Banfi wines in Asia, in Canada, and in the Caribbean. And right. uh, then I was asked to come to live in Italy because I spoke Italian. I lived here in Tuscany for th- a few years and sort of uh, played a role of ambassador and then went back to the U.S. for a while and um, played the role of, of press relations, public relations, and now I'm sort of half there and half the half here, um, working back and forth and and being an overall ambassador for the Costello Banfi wines. It's a tough job having to go back and forth from Italy, huh? <laughs> but Somebody's I guess someone has to do it, Lars. No one has to do it, Lars, right? Precisely. Be you. But, you know, it's a right. it it's a it's a job that is very reward, rewarding because we're we're making wonderful wines and we're enjoying them in the right setting and talking to the right people about them. And as I said, there's a there's a lot of good wines out there. But Costello Banfi is yeah. always a, a family, you know, family winery, and and so that there's uh, there's a, the passion there and being able to talk about our wines, being able to present our wines to people. You're you're always able to communicate that passion, and hopefully it becomes contagious. I I think it has. I have to tell you, and um, you know, if you would on that note, to kind of dovetail. Explain to everybody, you know, you, from the outside looking in, 
everyone would think, oh man, the chance to live in you know the Tuscany region. Uh, you know, give give my listeners like a little bit of a, a taste of you know what that's like from an American standpoint, because you know uh, I've talked to vintners and winemakers from around the world, and I talked to you know of course from Italy as well. And uh, it's one thing when you're born and raised there, you have a certain I don't want to, I, for lack of expression, attitude. You have a, and I don't mean that in a bad sense. I mean that in a good sense. You, you know, you grow up with a, a certain sense of pride, and uh, and and you, it's different. It's a definite different experience than an American living in in Italy. So, I mean, from that perspective, you would just kind of enlighten my my listeners a little bit of your experience. Well, you know, Tuscany is. We're very fortunate um, because Tuscany is a. Italy in general always welcomes and embraces uh, people from outside. We want it, the Italians always want to learn from new, from people who have different experiences. So living here as a, as an American, as an Italian American, Tuscans have always been very welcome. The Tuscans are always very frank speaking people. Um, they're they're not the kind of people that are standoffish. They're not the kind of people that will correct every uh, error that you might make in Italian. They appreciate the fact that you're trying to speak the language a little bit, and uh, and they love that. And they 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 appreciate America. They still remember, you know, the years when America helped them um, sort of raise themselves up from the bootstrap after after World War Two. Uh, to sure. us. From an American perspective, it seems so long ago. But just the other day, I was sitting in a, in a piazza in the nearby town of Grosseto and speaking to a guy. And he says, "Where are you from?" And you know, and we said American. He said, "Oh my goodness!" And, and he was just—he was eighty, seventy-nine, eighty years old—and talked about how much he said America's number one. They've always been there for us, and we love America. And yeah, we've had our disagreements over the years, but uh, we love Americans. And and then when he found out that. Uh, I was with Costello Banfi, and he knows what what Banfi has done for the region here. Sure, bringing it up, he was just beside himself and and very expressive and very appreciative. So, living here, being here in Tuscany is just a, a very wonderful, rewarding experience. It's it's beautiful countryside, and you know I mentioned before that it's raining here. It's been raining here the last couple of days, but I have to tell you, uh, even bad weather is beautiful in Tuscany. <laughs> um, we're we're in a very beautiful right. part of the world here, the Castello Banfi Estate. We have um, 7,100 acres of of gorgeous land. One third of it is dedicated sure. to vineyard. It's a constellation of single vineyards, and uh, we have these beautiful rolling hills that range between 100 and 350 meters above sea level. We have a a wide range of wines that we produce here, and it's uh, it's a very special place to be. And it's it's there's magic in the air. I have. A group of guests with me this week, a group of sommeliers who are coming from the United States that are here to, to study uh, and to learn about our culture. And they're just absolutely enthralled by the natural beauty of the area, what Castillo Banfi has done to help enhance that area and help uh, educate people about it. And it's it's a pretty special place to be, I have to tell you. I, yeah. I, I consider myself very fortunate to be here right now. And can I tell you... It, it it actually radiates through the phone line. <laughs> I'm telling you, I you know everyone listening to you is definitely picking up on that vibe. So uh, you know, the, kudos to Castello Banfi and the Mariani family in in hiring you because it's obvious that uh, how you feel about it, and uh, you know, you, you, there's no mistaking it. Um, 
And that actually brings me to a question I wanted to ask you. So what do you attribute? I think I've almost answered my question before I answer it, but what do you attribute <laughs> to your fast ascent in the Banffy Wine Company? Well, I, uh, so, well I, let me just I mean, 25 years is, is not that fast. I was going to say, um, aside from the radiating crate vibe that you give off. <laughs> you know, John Mariani always likes to, to, to remind us of two things. Number one, he says... Uh, the um, you know, we talk about you, we feel lucky. He says it's ironic. The harder we work, the luckier we get. And so it's certainly uh, I feel myself very lucky, but it's certainly not for lack of hard work. Uh, and the other thing he reminds us is that if we uh, if we love what we do, we really don't work a day in our lives. Um, and and we're all very fortunate because we do love what we do. And the Mariani family makes us all feel like family. And so all of us at Costello Banffy have this, have this passion. The Mariani family pay tremendous amount of attention, attention to detail, uh, whether it's the label and, of course, the quality of the wines and, and even the way we greet our guests here at Costello Banffy at the estate. People come here and they feel engaged. All of our uh, my associates, my colleagues who work in our Enateca, who work in our, our restaurant here, um, Banfield sponsors them to get to at least the first level of sommelier so that they're trained, they know what they're talking about, and they feel sure. that if, if the Mariani family is doing this for them at Castillo Banfield, then they, they, we all have a sense of ownership here. That We take tremendous pride. We love our wines, we love the place we work, and we love the people that visit us. And so it's, it's, it is contagious, and it's, you know, we just can't help it. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful place to work. We're not making widgets so to speak we're making wine absolutely and wine in its in its best form is something that should make people happy it should bring a smile to people's faces and that's right. that's the joy we have when we go to work every day we're doing something that makes people happy and it's it's very gratifying there you go so so i'm gonna skip over to uh an interesting tweet that um i'm told you're gonna laugh at <laughs> this is someone <laughs> okay, who's well, already laughing so this is a friend of yours, uh, Luis from the Wine Hub. Um, Excellent. And he says, he says, ask him what sh one should put first in the salad: salt, vinegar, or olive oil. <laughs> Luis knows very well. The first thing you do is you cover everything in a good blanket of olive oil. It protects everything. It coats the stomach. It coats the the, the lettuce the same way. And then you add the vinegar, and then you add the salt. That's the best way to dress the salad. And, and the olive oil should always be extra virgin olive oil, extra vergine, and, of course, it should always be from Castello Banfi, if that's possible. There you go. <laughs> See, <laughs> he knew. He knew you'd left. Um, okay, so now I'm going to go to a couple of email questions. Again, I'll tell you, I ba Great. bounce around, but I get some good stuff here. So the first one is from – I love the names here. Whoopi42 from Auckland, New Zealand. <laughs> And it says, Stu, I'm really impressed by the far reach of winemakers you get on your show. It's fantastic. My question for Lars is, what does he see as the breakout varietal within the Costello Bonfi portfolio? And what is the breakout wine? Well, that's a good question. Uh -huh. Thanks. We'll be 42 from Auckland, New Zealand. That's an awesome question. Um, you know, in New Zealand, they, they, they're looking for something new. They have Sauvignon. They make wonderful Pinot Noir from, from, uh, from New Zealand. In Italy, we're, we're old world, and so we have these very traditional varietals. And when Castello Banfi first 
began producing wines here, we, we realized quickly that we needed to speak to the world because back in 1978 when we broke ground here, Sangiovese really, as a varietal, was not known to the world. Brunello di Montalcino, we only started bringing it in in the 19, early 1970s, so it wasn't really known to the world. What the world knew were the French varietals, and we knew that we had to very quickly speak to the world on the terms that the world were familiar with, and that was Cabernet, That was what the French did. It was Cabernet Sauvignon, Sauvignon Blanc, Syrah, Cabernet, uh, as I said, Cabernet Sauvignon, but... Once we once we got their attention with those wines, we very quickly turned that attention to Sangiovese, which is our historical uh, grape varietal here, and it's it's a it's a a wine a, a grape varietal that is grown throughout Italy, literally from the Alps down to Sicily, but I think I would say arguably, but frankly, that very few people would argue the point that it really expresses itself best in Tuscany, and its maximum expression is in uh, Montalcino with the Brunello di Montalcino. And so breakout means not something new, not something innovative, but something that's always been here that all of a sudden is catching your attention. And so as a breakout varietal, Sangiovese is definitely doing it. And, you know, we have uh, this wonderful history here of Brunello di Montalcino, and at the same time we have these innovative wines such as our Belnero, uh, which is a, a blend that includes a majority of Sangiovese, but also complemented with some of the international varietals, such as uh, Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot, but 80, 85% of Sangiovese. So I think Sangiovese is a is a great varietal that the world is discovering, that they're discovering in New Zealand. And with all due respect, it's something that I don't think they can do in New Zealand very, very well. I don't think they can do anywhere in the world the way we can do it here in Montalcino. It's something that's very unique to this terroir on our own estate, we have about 29, 30 different soil types just in this little right. tiny area. And uh, certain of the soil types that are common throughout Montalcino are really um, ideal for Sangiovese. It's where Sangiovese expresses itself to the maximum. The same way Sauvignon Blanc expresses itself to the maximum in, in, in New Zealand, uh, Sangiovese right. is, is our signature. And that's our breakout in a sense. And the breakout is... Let's keep continuing to make this wine as as good as we can, and let's keep innovating sure. because, as I said, Brunello was a traditional varietal, but tradition, in the end, if you look through history, tradition is nothing more than successful innovation. So we have to keep innovating, and we have to keep finding better ways to make Sangiovese, better, better areas to grow it in, better clones of the vine to grow it in, so that we always continue to make a wine that's exciting on the on the world class level, and frankly. When we're dealing with a uh, whether it's New Zealand or Chile or us or uh, or Australia or Argentina or California, we're all sort of neck and neck in this in this race to make great wine, and we're all partners. We're joining. We're linking arms. Our ultimate goal is not that people should drink more wine, but it really is that more people should drink wine. And if we're all making better wines, if we're all having a, a breakout varietal in different regions, people are discovering, hey, something is really happening in the wine world, and let's let's have another, let's try a glass of this, and let's try a glass of that. We don't want to corner the market on good wine. We want to learn from each other. We want to learn what they're doing sure. in New Zealand and Chile and, and California and, and our neighbors right here in Montalcino. We want to learn from each other so, and, and also teach each other so we can all have better wine and, and we're all enjoying more wine together. 
Sure, and I have to tell you, I mean, on that note, um, what I've found is the wine world uh, as a whole seems to be a great one big community in that everybody is their own, everybody's their, everyone else's cheerleader too. So, you know, it's like if you make great wine, then I can learn from you and and make my wine better or add something to it or craft it in, in you know in a, in a different way or more unique way that that uh will you know make it more accessible to people and uh you know and i think that's one a wonderful thing that 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 aspect of the wine industry that is unlike many other industries that you find uh out there in the world so so the next one is from dutchman wino from amsterdam Netherlands, and it says, Stu, wonderful show. We love you here in Amsterdam. Question for Lars. Who is the most influential wine person of your career? Thanks. Oh, and he, and he adds, great video about that South African Sauv Blanc. Cheers to you both. Oh, okay, thank you. Thank you about that, uh, my video. And uh, Dutchman Wino uh, from Amsterdam, Netherlands, thank you for your, for your email. So, Lars, I'll let you take that question. That's that's an even more difficult question because to single out one individual, I mean, if sure. first of all, I work for a true visionary, uh, John Mariani, who was the uh, the founder of Costello Banfi, the son of the founder of, of Banfi Vintners as an importer, just always saw far ahead in, in, in time, always thought five, ten years into the future. He's the one that in 1978, when he broke ground here in Montalcino and and believed in the future of Brunello and the potential of this land in Montalcino to produce uh, international varietals, uh, the French varietals, the international varietals. People at the time said, you know, he's either crazy or or, or <laughs> very astute. And fortunately, right. it proved out that he was very astute. Um, <laughs> so Usually to, to work with a man like that who still to this day, no matter what his rate of success has been he's never satisfied always seeking to build to grow to to make our wines better to make our customers happy when he's here on the estate he's constantly um prodding our winemakers to try to do better he's constantly walking around and talking to our guests how are you are you having a good time is there anything i can do to make you more comfortable um so definitely that's one of my great influences in the wine world uh and i know that one of his great friends in the wine world was Robert Mondavi. And Robert Mondavi shared a very similar philosophy of how can we make this wine world a better place? How can we get more people enjoying wines? How can we um, give people more enjoyable wines and so forth? So there's another influential person. And frankly, my grandfather and my grandmother <laughs> moved to, they, right. they emigrated to America. They were They were essentially peasants from outside of Rome. Um, they made wine because that was what you did in Italy. They they always made wine. It was part of their diet, and they came to America. And when they can afford to buy a few cases of uh, of grapes, they did it, and they made wine in their basement. My grandfather went into the bedrock uh, of beneath his house in the Bronx section of New York and uh, chipped out a wine cellar. And they made wine that was pure and genuine and, and something that was part of their whole diet and part of their whole family philosophy and so that was very influential to me as well and so you have this mix of the new world dynamic and the old world tradition that uh what it all comes down to is wine is a wonderful thing and just enjoy it for what it is and and always try to improve upon it but we're not as i said before we're not talking about widgets we're very fortunate to 
to, to be in a in a world where wine is something very special, um, I almost sacred to use a very heavy word, but mm-hmm. something that it gives us joy and, and and lights up our life. It's a good question, I have to say. I want to thank uh, thank him, Dutchman Wino, for that question. Next one is from Wine on the Range from Atlanta, Georgia, and it says, "Stu, love this show, man. <laughs> My friends and I." All listen in every week. My question for Lars is, who are the upcoming Italian winemakers he thinks the wine world should watch for? That's a good question. Thanks for asking that question. It's a great question um, because in Italy, Italy's pretty unified, you know, in terms of bringing quality forward. Um, and so what you need to do when you think about Italian wines is you need to see not not – Necessarily, who were the up-and-coming rising stars who were coming out of nowhere, but who's always been making good quality wines? Uh, right. Yeah, you'll have some of the younger people like Roberto Cipresso, um, like Roberto Guarini. You, there are a number of people here, just in Montalcino. There are a number of people mm-hmm. coming out of Sicily. There are a number of people coming out of uh, of Campania that, that in reality, areas that have always been making wine but maybe never had the world's attention. And what we're all doing in Italy is we're making wines better every day. We're looking to innovate. We're not taking for granted uh, our our tradition of wine, but trying to improve upon it. So it would be really hard to just hone in on a couple of names and say these are the guys to look for. What you need to do is you need to always pay attention to what's going on in in Italian wines because you never know where the innovations are going to come from. It could be sure. a very traditional producer like Biondi Santi, who all of a sudden is, is uh, they have this great tradition. They were the innovators uh, a century ago of Brunello, but they're making this wonderful traditional style of Brunello. And our Brunello was made in a, a different style, not better, not worse, but just a different style that's mm-hmm. bringing a little more fruit forward, uh, working with more clones, and so Costello Banfi gives something that is complementary in the in the whole area of Brunello. There were 250 producers of Brunello di Montalcino. And I would be very hard-pressed to tell you who's better and who's worse. Tonight with these right. sommeliers that are here visiting us, we tasted 14 different ones from other producers. And um, there wasn't a bad wine in the bunch. They were all wonderful. And yet at the same time, they were all very different. But what they did is they reflected a sense of place. You know, we don't and need terroir. to make another... Yeah, exactly. Terroir, as the French say, terra, as we say in Italian. Um, they expressed... You can't have Montalcino without Brunello, and you can have Brunello without Montalcino. Right. Uh, it, there's a there's a tremendous sense of what's going on in the soil here. And and that is what most of the Italians, uh, the Italian producers are understanding. It's, it's Banfi, we like to believe that we led the way in showing that to people and saying, listen, have faith in what you can express from this land. Don't try to do what anybody else is doing in the world. Don't try to imitate Burgundy. Don't try to imitate Bordeaux. Be what you are. And so fortunately, a lot of people have really picked that ball up and run with it. So what Mm -hmm. I would say to to our friend in Atlanta is experiment. Try, Try different wines. You tell me who's going to pick up the ball and run with it. You tell me who's going to be the name to watch because sure. there's a lot of names out there and they're all making good wine. 
Yeah, that's that's the beauty of it. I have to say that's the, the wonderful aspect of it is that there are so many uh, and there is such good wine out there. And I think I, I have to say, um, you know, obviously wine, the beverage that's been around for thousands of years, probably one of the first beverages anyone drank, <laughs> you know, come to think of it, if you go really look at history. There's a lot safer uh, than water. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that, I think personally, it has gotten better. I don't think it was bad that it needed to. I just think that it's gotten better because of the fact that we, you know, the technology has kind of caught up a little bit and helped. Um, people have gotten more educated and it helped. And I think the, the if you'll say killing the soil, so to speak, you know, and, and working it and working the terroir or the terra in this, this case, I think that the vintners in Italy, in this case, have gotten closer to that translation between terroir or terra and taste. I think they've gotten the translation to where you can really, you really taste it uh, in a good way, not in a bad way, because there's, there's times when you can drink wine and, you know, geez, there's just too much minerality to it or whatever it may be. But, you know, in the good sense of t- the, getting that combination of uh, terroir or terra to taste, I think uh, Italy has done it very well, and I think that, uh, of course, naturally France has, and I think a lot of other countries are trying to, you know, get to that point where they make that, um, you know, where they make that that combination uh, on the palate. Absolutely, so, I'll take my, one step my... further. Yes, I'll, I'll take your point one step further and say that what we're doing uh, in Italy and France around the world is we're making more consistently outstanding wines. Yeah. In the in the past, winemakers didn't really have a grasp on exactly what Mother Nature was dealing them, what kind of hand Mother Nature was giving them. And so if they made a good wine, they were very happy about it, but they didn't really understand why. And today, <laughs> right. with technology, we're able to, to understand exactly why and exactly what's happening. And so uh, there's there's a lot less variation between a good vintage and a not-as-great vintage because... We don't have any more bad vintages because we know what Mother Nature is going to throw at us and we know how to deal with it. We have a good sense of the place that we're making wine. And when I say we, I'm not just talking about Castillo Banfield. I'm talking about winemakers all over the world because we're sharing information. We're learning from our history and we're making more consistently outstanding wines. I agree a thousand thousand percent. Um, The next one is from Raji Vino from New Delhi, India. And it says, Stu, you really have a great show and a great guest on tonight. My question for Lars is, did you ever think of working for an American winemaker before working for Banfi? That's a good question. Thank you. Well, Raji Vino uh, from New Delhi, thank you. Thank you for listening, and thank you for asking that question. Well, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate, Raji, to have the best of both worlds because I, I work for an Italian maker, that, uh, Italian winemaker that is, has an American sensitivity uh, an American mindset, um, but at the same time, we're in this very historical land in Italy. So we have American ownership, American proprietary, proprietary uh, ownership, and, and we have an Italian management system. So I've got the best of both worlds. Um, you do. You really would do. I ever have worked for an American owner? Would I ever worked for a California winery in America? Uh, anywhere in America, New York wineries are wonderful. Sure, mm-hmm. that would have been great, but I feel very lucky that I was able to cut to the chase and work yeah. for an, an American mindset with an Italian tradition. 
Uh, you really and, lucked and out in that. Absolutely. No good. doubt about it. So the next one we have is from Euros Mathos 819 from Ankara, Turkey. And it says, Stu, I love Italian wine and enjoy the nice Castello Banfi Brunello in Tuscany last summer. Very nice. They make wonderful wine. Lars, will Banfi Vintners ever make wines in the other regions of Italy? Matthew, thank you. That's a, that's a very insightful question, and it's a question that we have often asked the Mariani family. Um, many other producers, many other people that we respect greatly, have have started in, in, in elsewhere in Italy, whether it's Piedmont or, or Tuscany, and they've expanded from one region to another, and then they have uh, they've gone into other regions of the world, whether it's the United States or, or Hungary or wherever else. And the Mariani family always believed in the future, the potential of Italy to make world-class wines. And they saw in Tuscany, in Montalcino in particular, a great vocation for uh, a broad range of styles. You know, our estate here is 7,100 acres. Right. And I, to put that into relative terms, um, the island not too far from from my base in in the states there's an island called Manhattan <laughs> the <laughs> island of Manhattan is a little over just just a little bit larger than 8000 acres we're a little bit smaller than that so if you take off right. Chelsea and the village or something like that <laughs> no don't do it. that no no we wouldn't want to do that it's got too much flavor and color to it but keeping on that on that um idea of these different villages these different places in Manhattan that have all these different neighborhoods. Everyone has a different feel, a different vibe. Our estate here has 29 different soil types, and so we're a constellation of single vineyards. We get different things from every soil type. And so anytime anybody has said to the Mariani family, hey, why don't we expand? Why don't we try something in Sicily? Why don't we try something in Calabria? Why don't we try something in Naples? Why don't we try something in uh, in northern Italy? Why don't we try something in California? I mean, why not even Turkey? Why not even anywhere else? And the answer is always focus, concentrate. We want to do what we're doing very well. Our goal is not to get too far widespread. We don't ever want to lose sight of what our goal is, and that's to make fine wine, and let's have a sense of place. And so our sense of place is here in Montalcino, Tuscany. It's not to take anything away from anybody who wants to be... um, diversified, if you will, in stock market terms, um, right. and, and we respect them, but, but we kind of feel that we really want to focus. We You have to remember that Banfi is also an importer in the United States and several markets around the world, and even in Italy we, we represent wines from other countries, but when it comes to our own production side, we want to stay focused. And, yeah, and, and, and you so, know, I think the simplistic thing to say I was just going to say to you was, is to do what you do and do it well, like that old adage, which I think you guys are accomplishing, you know, in spades. Um, The next one is from Seven Springs Wine of Hermanus, South Africa, and it says, Hi, Lars. I hope you're keeping well. I know Italy very well, and my wife and I have a house in the LaMarche countryside between the two, right, Verdicchio towns of Staffolo, and uh, Cupra Montana. 
Um, I know the Castella Bonfi Vineyards in Montalcino, having visited a few times during family holidays. My question is, outside of Tuscany, which area of Italy do you feel is punching above its weight regarding wine production? I wish you and Castella Bonfi continued success. And I happen to know Seven Springs. In fact, the interesting thing was one of the people that had asked a question here had mentioned the Sauvignon Blanc. Yes, someone from Amsterdam had mentioned the Sauvignon Blanc review I did, and in fact, it was of Seven Springs Vineyards uh, Sauvignon Blanc. So Tim Pearson of Seven Springs Wine is asking you that question. Which do you think is uh, punching above its weight regarding wine production? Wow, that's, that's, again, another big question because Italy is just bubbling over with exciting wines. Um, you know, Sicily is all of a sudden what, what an area that was never even considered for its wine production, for example, is all of a sudden producing world-class wines. Campania is coming online, Basilicata, Puglia, Le Marche, where, where his family original comes from, originally comes from. Um, even Piedmont, uh, you know, these old traditional areas like what we're doing here in Tuscany. Italy is has never taken for granted, never sat rested on its laurels throughout Italy, every single region where wine, you know, 20, 30 years ago, wine was part of our diet and we took it for granted. And we said everybody produced wine and we drank it at the table, whether it was good or bad. Now we're realizing that wine, good wine is being made all over the world, and hey, if you want to introduce your wine to the world, you have to step up to the plate. And so even places that always had traditionally good wines, like Tuscany and Piedmont, are saying, we need to get better, we need to constantly improve. And places like right. Campania and Sicily and the Marche, that if they made good wines, they mostly drank it themselves. They're saying, hey, you know what? We can We can compete with the world. So I actually couldn't single out any single area. I mean, you know, um, years ago in the States, Suave, for example, was considered a very simple, very uh, innocuous wine, and it was just, you know, if you didn't have water, you had Suave to drink. But today, well, I mean, Bola. it's a very complex... Well, yeah, Bola, Suave Bola, it was almost synonymous, the two of them together. And today, yeah. Suave Bola, if you haven't tried it lately, don't don't think about what you tasted 10, 15 years ago, buy a sure. bottle and try it now because the wine is absolutely wonderful. Um, Suave Bola, Suave Bola Bartolino, Bola Valpolicella, you would think that these are old has-beens, but they're not. These no. are wineries that don't rest on their laurels. And the same thing throughout any region in Italy, even in, in Frascati. Fontana Candida was a very common name in the States and throughout the world. And, oh, sure. And maybe for a while it went out of quote-unquote fashion. But if you taste the wine today, you realize that these winemakers are keeping up with the style that the consumer wants and the, and the quality that, that they can get out. They're continually innovating. So it's I'm really hard-pressed to pick any one region in Italy that's that's standing out more than the other ones because, you know, Italy is, is a country technically, <laughs> but in reality it's 18 different regions searching for a country. And they're very competitive within that. And they're sure. very provincial in a sense and saying hey we can do better than you can and one region stands up and says i've got a great wine and the other region says oh yeah well look what i've got and it's 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 not so bad the consumer wins in the end it's a pretty and, good competition and on that 
on that note, so I'm going to ask you, these are some of my questions that I wanted to ask you as well. So what do you find are the misconceptions from the consumer standpoint about Italian wine? You know, having said what we were just talking about, what are the misconceptions? What, what, what are people, what do you find over the course of time, what have been the misconceptions? You know, because every, every I think every wine region has them. People have that. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, for years, people would think that organic was synonymous with lack of taste or there's something missing. And it took a long time. And, and you know, I know that the, the practices in Italy, um, many of the Napa Valley winemakers have been doing biodynamic practices and farming for years, unbeknownst to the consumer, that they were actually drinking pretty much organic, now not, maybe not certified because they didn't put it on the bottle, but, but organic uh, wine you know, not knowing it and thinking, oh, well, I've got to have this wine than the one that says organic on it and, and not knowing that they're almost practically the same. So what I guess what I'm asking is, is what have been the misconceptions for Italian wines and, and let's say what's been it that you found for Castello Banfi? Well, if there were misconceptions about Italian wine, and it's hard to generalize because I'd like to think that most consumers are becoming more educated and becoming more aware of what's going on here. Mm-hmm. But if there are misconceptions, that maybe it's the idea of Italian wine as being cheap and cheerful. Um, right. It's 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 not that way anymore. It's it's Italy. We we love our wine. We appreciate our wine. It's part of our culture, but we take it very seriously. And so these right. are wines now that can compete with anything around the world, in terms of what you mentioned, uh, Stu, and of of wines being organically made. The European Union has very strict regulations on on how we make our wines and and wonderful incentives to have us all make our wines more uh more organic more naturally and uh and so you know wines i think today are even more healthy than they ever were before coming from italy i Agreed. think there's a lot more complexity in italian wines coming out and that maybe that was a uh a misconception about Italian wines just being very simple wines. They're not, they're not simple. And if you know any no, Italians, you know it's not in our nature to be simple. <laughs> uh, there's a, there are still waters run deep. <laughs> Most definitely. Hey, you know we've got a call here. You want to take it? We can. Uh, sure. Ask, uh, we can answer the question. Absolutely. So let me let me see what we got here. So hi caller, what is your name and where are you calling from? Uh, you're talking to nine four one. I am. Yeah, uh, yeah. Good evening to you guys. Um, I am I'm a wine lover. The accent here is Greek, and I have a question for my friend over there. Uh, and uh, there's a certain wines. Personally, I, I really find uh, I'm a favorite of a lot of Chilean wines. I find them very interesting. But I like some Italian wines. I'm definitely I'm not a connoisseur. Uh, but I wanted to ask the, the gentleman. The, it seems to me, for example, I never really liked uh, Spain wines. But when I was in Barcelona. And I was eating certain foods there, hamons and on and so forth. Just as in Italy, it seems to me that certain wines are best enjoyed with a traditional cuisine. And uh, that's the first, the first question, that if the palate or if the foods, uh, for whatever weird reason uh, here, is, uh, you know, uh, enhances or complements the wine. You know, you know what I'm saying. Uh, I think you clarified that in your mind, the question. And the second question is, uh, yeah, uh, they are uh, in America. They put a lot of sulfites. Um, I think that he mentioned that 
that's why a lot of Australian and and of course I sound like an expert now, but uh, they become a little smoother and sweeter. He's trying to tell me, me being Greek and I go to Italy sometimes, that the European uh, community has more strict organic. Uh, almost like organic guidelines, is a kind of smooth, uh, is a healing thing. So the first question was if the diet of uh, the wine tastes better at home. The third one is uh, if truly, them, um, you know, in Europe they have a better, you know, more, uh, you know, more restrict uh, things, uh, you know, more organic kind of wines. And I guess I had a third one, but it lost my mind. It went off my mind. So, yeah, I don't know if I made any sense. I want to hear what you got to say. Absolutely. And Lord, let me interject sense. one second. All right, let me interject for one second. Caller, what what exactly what is your name? First of all, because I wanted to get that so we could at least address Andreas, you by your name. Andreas. 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 And where exactly are you calling from in, in the United States? I'm calling you from Sarasota, Sarasota, Florida, just off the plane from Greece and from Rome, actually, which is in Rome two days ago. Okay, so Andreas from Sarasota. Okay, thanks. Go ahead, Lars. I just wanted to make sure we knew who we were talking with. Excellent. Well, Andreas, first of all, the Canis. Calarefile. Very good. You said it just right, too. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you come from a wonderful place, and and you know Greece has wonderful fresh food right from the sea, and and Greek wines are probably we talked before about um, misinterpretations or misunderstandings or misconceptions about wine, and and Greece probably suffers more more than than Italy, slightly behind Italy from those misconceptions. But in reality, both of us produce wonderful wines that go so well with the food that come from our land. As as a lot of people say, if it grows with it, it goes with it. And mm. and that's why you enjoy those wines in Spain so much. Spain is the yeah. same it also suffers from uh, all of us I think in the Mediterranean suffer from misconceptions about wines. But if you live in the place and you enjoy the lifestyle and you enjoy the food that comes from there, you will gradually start to find more and more wines that go so well with it. And I think in all of these areas, in all of the world Producers are becoming more aware that people want to enjoy wines with a sense of place. We're enjoying our world is not so closed anymore. <laughs> you came from Greece and you stopped off in Rome, and now you're in Sarasota, Florida. I'm in Sarasota, you yeah, know, a decade and, or two and, ago. Yeah, yeah, I like I like uh, Italian wine and I like Greek wine, and uh, and uh, and uh, you know I was in a wine vineyards. I have friends of mine they have a great big wide vineyard, organic wines called. Uh, you know, and, and, and all right in the mea, uh, where you know the Hercules supposedly, the, you know, the, the, it's all organic and stuff like that. And um, oh, look, I love my wine, I really do. And uh, you know, and 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 again, I I really have something in my mind where if if I'm in Spain, I like Spanish wine because it complements the hamons and stuff like that. Here, I don't like these Torres wines; they seem to me a little bit out of place. I don't know. And, and again, Italian wines maybe they go better, but in general, uh, you know, I think. Maybe, maybe I'm totally wrong. That the Americans are putting, or the Australians are putting too many sulfites in there. The wines are too sweet, and they're too smooth, as they call, the, you know, in in the palate. They don't have the bite uh, that comes from the, from these um, uh, how they call those uh, substances. Uh, right. huh? yeah, the well, the red wine all that all the world is 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 learning how to make wines with with a greater sense of place, and we're all learning that. Um, people don't want homogenized wines. They don't want generalized wines. Uh, I would I would venture to say that Europe probably understood that sooner, yeah. but I think the New World is gradually catching on to that. 
and the in and the Australian wines, the California wines, the South American wines are starting. But they're a little bit sweeter. Would you say that they're a little bit sweeter because they understood that the Americans like sweet and fluffy food, uh, like uh, I was trying to say tannins. That's the word that uh, comes to mind. Tannins and the the, the 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 substances in the red wine that makes the wine has a bite. And uh, you as a winemaker for 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 these people, uh, this which is pretty big. Um, Castello Bonfi, very big. You know, the Americans, by putting sulfites, they're cutting down on the bite, that aftertaste, where, uh, you know, they make it more soothing and sweet to the palate by artificial, by effusing. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, though. I mean, it can be all living in my own world. You are the expert. You are the doctor, and I'm just uh, somebody who's just giving you little tips, you know. You know, I mean, Mark, I really... I just, I just yeah. want to interject one second. Uh, Andres... I think I know what you're saying, and essentially, uh, you know, there are areas of, uh, let's say, California, Napa Valley, where some winemakers are, are making what we what we would call fruit bombs, um, yeah. and uh, and not all winemakers are doing that. I think sure. it's also and let's and let's just put things in perspective. Sure. Wine and experiencing it, everyone's palate's different. It's a subjective experience. You know, I can taste the same wine that you taste, and and I could say, hey, you know, I find this to be, you know, smooth, and uh, and and it's got the bite that I like. And you could taste it and say, you know what, I think it's a fruit bomb. I don't, you know, I don't get what you're saying. I agree with you. I I I think you kind of kind of put everything in perspective. And I wish I had more time to to answer more questions. Well, thank you very much, Lucy. It's only four minutes, and thank you for your, you know, great. I thank you so much. I really appreciate you calling in and calling anytime, Andres. Please do. Your contact. Thank you for your time, my friend. Have a wonderful holiday. Good Thanksgiving. (laughs) <laughs> you too. Take care. Take care, okay. guys. Thank you. So that was Andres. Uh, anyway, we have a couple more – actually, a couple more minutes left here, like two more minutes left here. So what I wanted to do was just ask you uh, a couple things here real quick. Um, are there any events coming up that you want the, the listeners to know about at the vineyard or in uh, the winery that you, you want to get out there? Well, you know, in in uh, in New York in February, we have Benvenuto Brunello, uh, the Tuscan wine masters, are coming through in in the early part of February. Here in Montalcino, we have the the Benvenuto Brunello as well. Uh, around the 18th, 19th, that is the introduction of uh, the new vintage. And, and frankly, at our at our estate, we always welcome visitors in Tuscany. So I would say I would invite everybody to come visit us. We're arguably the most Visitor-friendly winery in the in the region of Tuscany, um, and so we have uh, certainly a, a wonderful restaurant where you can dine called La Taverna, Castello Banfi La Taverna, or uh, our great hotel Il Borgo. But at the same time, if you haven't thought to make a reservation for that, you can drop in at Arena Tech and come in and have a, a dish of wonderful Tuscan cheeses and and uh and salumis the the cold cuts and uh breads to enjoy with our wines uh so we always welcome visitors if you're here and right. if you're uh, elsewhere in the states you know find our wines great right. i want i want to i have to cut it short because we got about a minute left so i want to thank you very much lars for coming on my show i really appreciate it um Steve, I, thank and, you. and uh, i'm gonna have you on again uh most definitely because there's so much more to ask and so much more to talk about <laughs> but um Thank you so much, I look Lars, to it. Lars Light from Castella Bonfi. Thank you again. Have a great evening right, and a good thanks. holiday. Take care. Thanks to you, too. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. So that was Lars Light of Bamfi Vineyards. Um, I want to thank everyone that had called in, had emailed, had tweeted. I uh, highly recommend you check them out if you go to Tuscany and buy their wines at, or buy the wines at your local winery or vineyard. 
or, or uh, excuse me, your local wine retailer. Uh, let's see. As always, if you have any questions about the show, you can email them to me at info at stewthewineguru.com, or if you're on Twitter, you can tweet them to me at stewthewineguru, and I'll read them live on the air to my guests. You can go to my website at www.stewthewineguru and click on the link for all my wine articles, videos, and listen to archived wine talk shows. As I always say, if it's time to pour the wine, it's time for Stew the Wine Guru. Drink up, good night, and good wine. Have a good one, everybody. And now on Blog Talk Radio, you're listening to Wine Talk with Stu the Wine Guru.